1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, with your host, Rob Snowett. Rob Snow White here. Happy September. The year's almost over. We're getting ready to move into our fall fishing phase. But first, we got the 279th podcast episode in the 11th year of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This episode features Ryan from Risen Fly. He's the kind of guy you want to purchase your fishing gear from. Ryan's got a big family and a small business. For more information about Risen Fly, Please click the link in any of my social media bios or on my website, or go directly to risenfly.com and search out those target species kits. You're going to find out in the next hour why Risenfly is the best bang for your buck in the industry. Let's find out literally right now. Let's do this. Where you are right now in your own fly shop carrying your own brand of fly fishing gear, which as far as I know, does it really exist anywhere else? Yeah, it, it's been a long journey. So uh, this October will be eight years since I started the company. You know, a little over eight years. I probably took about six months and just doing some research on some manufacturers and some of the products I wanted to carry and some of the things I wanted to develop. 
the the long the the short of the long story goes that you know I was researching for a little while. We only had I've got four kids now. I think we had one and one on the way at that point. Sit next to my wife, and you know, every good husband asks a wife a question and knows the answer is no, but they ask it anyways. I mean, the question was, hey, do you think I could have some money to start a fly fishing company? You know, and I always say all good men marry up, and I apparently married up because my wife said, yeah, I'm sure we can figure that out. So I started literally selling fly lines and a couple other little products on eBay in the summer of 2012. And then uh, after a couple months of that, I said, you know what, let's just go legit with it. Started a website, brought out a couple reels and a few other products to get things started, and started Risen Fly Fishing there in, I think it was October 28th of 2012. Right on. So yeah, so everything started out there. Of course, the first couple of years were very slow, to say the least. Uh, just getting brand recognition, trying to advertise, market in the right places, build up a following. Specifically in the last, I would say, two to three years, the company has really started to grow uh, significantly. All right, so we'll get into all that in a bit, but uh, who is your celebrity doppelganger for those listening that may not have met you at a show before? My celebrity doppelganger? I don't remember what his name is, but I always had people tell me I looked like that guy from Dawson's Creek. So don't ask me who that is, but uh, he must be dashingly good looking if that's who he is. Okay. And you are in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania? Beaver Falls. That's our mailing address. We are actually in the township of Chippewa. There's a lot of a lot of Indians that uh, resided in our area, so we have a lot of Indian towns: Chippewa, Hopewell, Manaka. So yeah, we're in Chippewa Township. And how's your summer been going so far with the uh, unfortunate circumstances of a global pandemic? I won't go into my political side of things, but we try. I tried to open up the shop at the end of March. So with how business was growing, I wanted to uh, take the next step and open a physical brick and mortar location. And a grand opening of, I believe, March 28th didn't happen because of that. So we ended up delaying it, uh, did like a soft opening in, the, opening in April, and opened the store for good at the end of May. And overall, it's been good. We've had a good response, a lot of new fly fishermen in the area. We aren't quite the hot spot of Pennsylvania in terms of fly fishing. For me, that's a challenge I was willing to accept, so I've been doing a lot of lessons and classes and introducing people to the sport. So I just had a guy that popped into the shop right before you called that he's been in here a couple of times. He goes, Ryan, it's my 50th birthday. I'm treating myself. So he got a, a nymphing rod outfit and a pack and a hat and going on a little trip for his birthday with his wife. And, you know, that's the fun part about having a shop now is all those customer interactions. So, you know, overall in this area, it's just slow because we don't have a whole lot of trout fishing in this area. But that's typical for this for the season. I expect it to pick up here in the next month uh, with steelhead season right around the corner. How did you get into fishing? That that's probably the hardest question I've ever been asked in terms of this business. Is uh, my dad grew up very poor and used to hunt and fish out of necessity. Uh, so he was the oldest of five kids, and he tells stories of bringing a twenty-two to school leaving it in the principal's office and taking it on the walk home and hunting rabbits and squirrels to eat for the night uh, with the family. So I think he burned himself out. So I only fished a handful of times with my father growing up. But after high school, I just, I don't know. I literally just said, hey, fly fishing looks cool. Let's try that. And the rest is pretty much history. So I've been fly fishing for probably about 15, 16 years now and just sucked up every bit of information from everybody I possibly could. Were there any mentors growing up, any people that you hung out with, fishing buddies, to, to learn the, 
all this or did you have to do it by yourself? Uh, a lot of it was self-learned. I put a lot of emphasis on a forum group called PXLifefish, Fish, where they, you know, just asking questions on there, um, where to go, how to do it, what flies, you know, where the trout are, where the bass are. And then once a year, they got together in central Pennsylvania for what they called the Jamboree. I mean, we'd have 50 to 100 guys that would show up, and I really cut my teeth with those guys. You know, they'd show me the ropes, caught my first bird trout with them, uh, saw my first uh, spinner file with them, you know, and after I picked some of that stuff up, I just, you know, dove into reading books and, you know, looking at blogs and other forum sites and Facebook and, you know, meeting a couple fly fishers locally as well. Um, so for me, it was, uh, it was one of those things that when I dove into it, it was like headfirst 110% and, and just sucking up every bit of information that I possibly could. When you met your wife, were you just straight up, hey, this is my thing and I'm going to be gone <laughs> a lot and I'm going to have a lot of gear? Yeah, we were poor. <laughs> so a lot of gear didn't happen happen right away. Now all my gear is uh, is in the shop. It's funny, like I picked up fly fishing and she picked up like knitting and crocheting and, you know, we'd sit in our little two-bedroom apartment that, you know, we, we couldn't really afford at that point in time and you know, I'd be tying flies and she'd be making hats and blankets and stuff like that. And we got our old people hobby is what we called it. That's awesome. uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun to just kind of pick up the hobby. I remember the, the first fly rod I got, I was test casting in my dad's backyard and him and my brother-in-law, they're like giving me tips. I was like, you've never done this before either. How do you know what to do? So, so yeah, I was very wet behind the ears and didn't have a clue what I was doing, but picked it up and you know, done some traveling and fished all over the place now. You know, all over Pennsylvania has some of the best trout fishing in the whole country with lots of different species available. And and I loved it so much that I, I really like teaching too. And that was one of the big things about opening the shop for me too is, you know, my goal even before I started the company was to teach someone to fly fish every single year. You know, so I take someone out, I hand them a fly rod, I show them what to do, have them catch a couple fish. And, you know, then I'd have my next fishing buddy to go fishing with. Nice. Uh, but I did that at least with one person every single year for five or six years before I even started the company. At what point did you make Risen Fly your full-time gig? Literally when I opened the shop. So prior to that, my career path is as a financial planner and actually independently owned my own firm for the last three years. I mean, I still kind of maintain a handful of my clients right now. I've got an office space in the back of the shop. Say I'm at like 90, 10, 95, 5 right now in terms of uh, risen fly fishing compared to the, the financial planning right now. If someone comes in for financial planning, do they get a, a trout <laughs> kit when they leave instead of getting like a toaster at the bank? Complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh-huh. You mentioned that Beaver Falls has a lot of old Native American stuff. Are there any cool old landmarks, historic sites that you can go and explore and check out while you're out fishing? There's a handful of things like that here. It's interesting. We have the we have a, a huge area for Marcellus Shale. So there's a what we call a cracker plant, which is the refinery plant, coming about 10 minutes down the road from where I am. And they basically blew a mountainside off to build this place, and they've been working on it for three years. But several times during the excavation process, they found old burial sites. Um, so they couldn't quite tell if they were Native American or just, you know, old little, you know, church cemeteries or something like that. But they had to halt the, the process several times because of these burial sites that they found. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just have, there's some petroglyphs up at Great Falls. 
and then there's a couple islands where people used to live on but yeah around here nothing's nothing's really left from the olden days unless like that excavating and they find old slave quarters or slave ships in downtown (laughs) alexandria virginia that's amazing how many people were here before us so let's talk about you and your company because i suggest and endorse you to pretty much every client that comes through when i'm at fly fishing shows i go up to booths and i tell people what i'm doing i'm interviewing them and people might not know this there's a lot of attitudes in uh in egos in fly fishing where you know one guy was the ceo of a company i just thought he was hanging out at the booth and he wouldn't give me the time or day and then he uh-huh. gave me his card at the end i was like whoa you're the boss and this is how you treated me and you are always warm and welcoming and it's nice and it's fresh mm-hmm. and your stuff is all what i want to get into now is like picked by you it's all you so how yeah. How does somebody design rods and reels and, and lines? Do you mm-hmm. sit down and come up with that? Do you have a designer? Do you work with the rod manufacturer? I would say it's a combination of probably two or three different things. So I've got, I was thinking about this the other day. I think I have products made in five different countries right now. So what I typically do is I contact my manufacturer. Let's say I'm building a new rod. Now let them know what I'm looking for. Okay, I want this quality of graphite, I want this action, I want this, I want that. And they'll build me a sample to begin with. So this is just a rod of, hey, you know, it might be 80% of what the final rod is, but it gives me a good baseline to go off of. Um, So I get that in, I test cast it, I fish it, and I might hand it off to one or two other people, and then I'll get feedback and say, okay, I want to tweak this. I want to make it faster, make it slower, and adjust the taper, I want to change the guides. And then I'll go through my second round of prototyping. Typically, my second round of prototyping, I try to get outside opinion on it. So I'll get a couple rods, and I'll you know give it to somebody out west that's fishing different waters than I am. You know, I use my my brand ambassador program. I've got a small group of guys, like six or seven guys right now, that I rely on for for some of that stuff. You know, where they're fishing different things that I'm not. You know, I've got like we just uh, we've got a new saltwater rod that'll be out in the next month or so. It's not a whole lot of saltwater fishing in western Pennsylvania, unfortunately. So I rely on them, you know, fishing for stripers and blues and, you know, reds down down south. And, and then had some local guys fishing pike and muskie for them um, so that it's, it's ready for that big game stuff. So typically, from start to finish on a rod build, might take me anywhere about 18 months, give or take, to go start to finish. Wow. And it'll take, like I said, two to three rounds of prototyping to get it all in. Then I'll get my final builds done for what my final specs will be. I'll get some preliminary pictures and some information out to the people that follow us through social media, emails, in the shop now. And then one of the neat things that I've started just in the last year, you know, when I started the company, it was interesting. Kickstarter was like just getting off the ground. And so I didn't utilize it. And I see all these companies that started like two years after me that just blew up because of Kickstarter getting them started. So I thought, hey, let's do something like that, but do it internally instead of paying Kickstarter like 5% to do all the funding. So I started my own deposit program where you put a small deposit down, helps me get projects off the ground, you get a discount off of it, and then you pay the remainder whenever the product comes in stock. So that's really kind of helped us bring a lot of new products out um, in the last 6 to 12 months um, on some of the new things that we've been working on. Um, But yeah, like I said, 18 months is pretty typical for us to get things moving. On a lot of our rod projects, our reels, uh, we've got a hand in some of the designs and developments. 
reels in terms of a drag system in creating something new is next to impossible because there's so many things out there that are uh, that are prototyped and trademarked and it's really difficult to recreate that wheel. Uh, so a lot of times we are utilizing you know drag system components that are already existing and out there um, but we're either using a unique design from somebody that we've talked to or just a very I don't want to say generic, but that's kind of the best word, you know, generic disc drag system. And then we put together the design for a lot of our reels. So, okay, we want, we want it to look like this. We want this backing capacity, this line capacity, this drag, drag strength, things like that. Probably have a lot more input into our rod development than our reels. And then he also talked about fly lines. So we moved our fly line manufacturer to Canada about two years ago, and they gave us a lot more flexibility in the designs of our lines. So... I've got a, a couple of new lines coming out in the next month, but they let us, you know, core materials, overall uh, materials and tapers, coloration, you know, uh, packaging, you know, simple things like that allows us to have a lot more workings on our fly lines. Um, so even for things like that, I still do a little bit of prototyping. I'll, you know, get a couple of samples here and there and throw them out to people, but, uh, but it allows us to say, hey, you know, I like the you know, XYZ brand of Flyline out there, and I see their taper, but I want to adjust it a little bit. You know, I think we need a, a larger belly in it for, you know, windy conditions or something like that. Um, so I'll kind of take some things out there and tweak and adjust them and, and bring out our lines um, for that. So other than you have direct contact with your manufacturers and you have your own store, why should customers buy from you? <laughs> That's, that's a great question. So, you know, as you said before, I pride myself in some of the best customer service out there. You know, I've, I've had good customer service from companies and bad customer service over the years. And, and that's really what I pride myself in. You know, we do lifetime warranties on our products. You know, literally yesterday I had a guy that got a brand new rod in. He's like, the tip top spins. He's like, is this normal? I'm like, no, it's not. So I sent him a brand new tip top. And a guy, uh, USPS, you know, busted my fly box. When it came in, I said, I'll take care of the warranty or the, uh, the insurance on it. There's a new box in the mail for you today. So for me, I want to make sure that we're grounded on good customer service. The other thing and why I started the company, one of the big inspirations for it, is just the high prices out in the market. We've got graphite rods pushing 1000 bucks right now by some of the biggest companies out there. And at the end of the day, there's only two or three companies that are actually bringing out new technology. Everybody else is kind of copycats here and there or just using you know, general technology. So, you know, you've got these companies out there that are pitching these top-end fly rods for $800, $900. They might just change something tiny on it and tell you this right. is what you need for this year. Right. They adjust the guides or the color. <laughs> so when I looked at it, and especially with my background of trying to bring people into the sport, you know, I, I, I tell the same story a lot in this shop. You know, people come in and why I started this. Like, Okay, you get somebody excited about fly fishing, and then you tell them, oh, they got to spend $600 on a fly rod and $300 on a reel and $125 on a fly line, and then you got to pay $3 a fly, and, you know, you need 300 flies to get started in a couple boxes, and then your waders and your boots and your pack. Next thing you know, you're in for $2,000, just to get started in a new sport, and it pushes people away. So for me, that was the inspiration in starting the company was getting good quality products, made in a lot of the same places all across the world that these big companies are, backing it up with good customer service with a lifetime warranty, but having reasonable prices too. 
you mentioned your customer service. So mm-hmm. let's say we're on Facebook or on Instagram and somebody suggests or asks for recommendations for something. You're the only owner of a company that chimes in. Yeah. Everyone else is, it might be some guides that use rods, people that work in shops, but you're not hearing from the actual manufacturer. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I tell my clients that I'm like, you go to the Facebook forums and you type in, I need a three weight for small streams. Ryan's going to chime in. He's yep. going to tell you exactly what you need and you're not going to have to uh, sell a kidney for it. <laughs> yeah, we've got our baseline fly rod models that still come with a lifetime warranty starting at 99 bucks. I mean, you can't find that outside a cheapo kit from Walmart and you're not going to get a warranty or the service behind it. So yeah, I pride myself in that. And as the company grows, I want people behind me and working with me that are doing the same thing. So that's why some of the other companies out there that have these brand ambassadors that, you know, you pass the breathing test and you can be an ambassador for them. That's not me. I, like I said, I've got five or six guys right now. I'd worked with them for a year or so prior to bring them onto the group. And we chat two, three times a week, typically. This is what I want from you. This is your responsibility. You know, make sure you're making those recommendations. Make sure you're fishing the products. Let me know if you hate something. And so I've got kind of a tight-knit group there, and that's the way I expect to grow the company as we're you know, expanding into different markets here in the, in the future. And is there really a difference other than price between an $800 rod and, say, $156 ITB? I asked mm-hmm. Lefty Cray once, and he said, I said, what's the difference? He's like, it's the damn price. Mm-hmm. They all cast, they all catch fish. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, let, we'll, we'll throw the O word out, Orvis. I will never talk poorly about Orvis, even though they have some of the highest price market uh, rods out in the market, because they're a huge company. So they've got to pay for all their advertising, all their employees. They actually do research and development, and they're one of the biggest companies out there that gives back to environmental resources, you know, building streams back up. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Uh, you know, they give a lot back to, to the fly fishing community in ways that most people don't know about. And so I won't talk about that in a negative way, but when you try to factor in what the cost of the core materials are as a fly rod and then them having that massive overhead, that's why they have to charge that. You know, they've got to pay for their research and development. They have to pay for, you know, the 401ks for all their, you know, their employees and everybody else. So the, the price is naturally going to go up if you take any sort of business class. That just makes sense. For me, I, I would love to one day be as big as them. I don't know if I'll ever get to that point, but I still shoot for the stars every single day. But I still want to make sure that I'm, I've got my pricing model built in a way that I can still step up in our growth model but not go away from where the core values are. So, yeah, in, in a roundabout way, uh, they do have some superior products to a lot of things out there. But do I think it's a $600 difference? Probably not if you just compare the products themselves. But when you factor in the business models, that's why they have to price it out that way. Just think about the rent of what they're paying at Tyson's, <laughs> Virginia, for that size store. Mm-hmm. That is some of the most expensive property in the country. 
and that store used to be the size of a bathtub when I worked at the old Orvis Tyson's. But yeah, they got to pay insurance, rent. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that go into that. Yep, and they're one of the few companies that actually run fly shops too. So you don't see the 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 sages, the TFOs, you know, those sort of companies out there that are having brand licensed fly shops out there like Orvis does. So, and that's actually, I don't know how far into the into the uh, interview you're getting, but that's actually on my radar to do here in the next two to five years is to open uh, branded Risen Fly Fishing Shops and franchise out the fly shop model. That'd be pretty uh, cool. We that's more of that. That I'm trying to do as fly shops are closing all across the country. I want to do the opposite. I want to start bringing, bringing shops back and utilizing our company model to you know, to bring realistic pricing out to people so they can get out and fish and, and love the outdoors like me and you do um, without having to charge an arm and a leg for it. Yeah. A lot of my clients, they, they're busy people. They got a lot of kids doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And especially now, budgets are tight, man. My clients yep. can't be dropping $1,500 just to go out for a couple hours of fun. Right. That's why I send them to you. Uh, <laughs> how did you come up with the name of the company and some of the other names? I always... Yeah get the two three ps or two three that one i always get the, the name mixed up i always get itb right everybody calls it ibt i don't know why but the the name uh from the very beginning reflects my my christian principles in my my personal life so you know when when you look at anybody as as a person and you know what they believe in whether you know whether they're religious or whether they're not um, it's something that outside of fly fishing is probably my biggest passion. I do a lot of teaching. I've taught the youth ministry in my church for the last 13 years. It's it's at the core value of who I am. Um, and I think that reflects back into the business, in the customer service, and how I treat people. Um, so that was the inspiration behind the company. And then there's a lot of uh, biblical names behind all of the product names. So the ITB was the first rod that we brought out. It stands for in the beginning. We started with this rod. Uh, the 23 PS is for a verse in the 23rd Psalm, which talks about thy rod and thy staff. So we've got all these, you know, the Genesis rod is our, our beginning rod series, Again. our rod that we're coming out with. And then the whale, is that like Jonah and the whale? Yeah, I have plans to eventually bring out a, a saltwater-specific rod called Jonah to have Jonah and the whale. Um, that reel's a beast, by the way, for listeners. <laughs> and, and these reels will stop a freight mm-hmm. train. Yep. Don't yeah, let no. the price tag fool you. I've played with them. I haven't fished one yet. I've played with them plenty. Yep. Yeah, the whale reel we're actually bringing out in a color scheme to match the Goliath rod coming out uh, in the next month. Um, so we're, we're having the, the full color scheme with a, a matte finish on our like blue-gray blank with uh, chartreuse. So that'll be the frame. It'll have a chartreuse spool. And then the caps on both sides will be purple. Um, so it'll match up with the color scheme of our rod. So we're pretty excited about that one coming out here pretty soon. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Other than the incredibly silver mercury beads, what are some hot items? And <laughs> people know those are the most silver beads. <laughs> I think they're the best beads silver-wise on the market. Yeah. Yeah, we sell a ton of our hooks and beads. I'm expanding our tungsten bead lineup probably here in the next month, adding like six different colors, things like pink, and olive and brown and glow in the dark. I don't see any glow in the dark beads out on the market right now in tungsten, but there might be some. You can let me know, but we've got those coming out soon. Our Goliath rods have really kind of helped put us on the map for something very unique. 
Uh, we put a golf grip on them. You know, we built them with a little bit of pizzazz because I think a lot of fly rods out in the market are boring. You know, they're grays and blacks and browns and greens. And uh, and I wanted something that just kind of caught a lot of people's eyes. And, it has flair. Um, so, you know, the color scheme that we have on that uh, and, and with the wind golf grip, the grip's black with like a chartreuse and white paint swirl on it. And then we also utilized a local artist out of Pittsburgh, Ryan Keene, um, and he did an art piece for us that's actually wrapped on the rod tube, and then it's uh, a small logo right above the grip on the rod itself of uh, a Goliath uh, that he created. So that was cool. We we like utilizing as many other people in the industry as we can, and done a lot of partnership with Ryan Keene out of Pittsburgh. He's an absolutely incredible artist. Shout out to him. He's done some work for us. We have his artwork in the shop. Everyone um, should know the carp pig. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I first recognized his stuff. Yeah, and I can see a piece and know instantly if it's his. He just has this unique flair to his work that uh, that is instantly recognizable. So, so yeah, I've partnered with him. He lives like 45 minutes away from me, so we meet every so often, grab a bite to eat at a good place and talk shop. And, um, you know, I try to incorporate some of his stuff into my shop and into my products as best as I can. And, uh, and, and that's the fun part about, you know, being in charge here is, you know, it's uh, it's like Frank, Frank Sinatra said, I, I'm going to do it my way. And that's the, the neat thing about owning my own company is that, I, you know, I can I can utilize a local artist to do something fun like that. I can, you know, we've got Hackle in our shop from Sidling Hill out of central Pennsylvania. That damn uh, bird. He went from raising a couple hundred birds a year to a couple thousand birds. You know, we yeah. utilize. Bringing that thing to the show every year? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the you roost your cocking all day long at the inside the convention side. That always brings brings people to his, his place. But yeah, that's that's kind of the fun thing is that I don't have to do my business like anybody else. I can do it the way I want to. And and, and there's not a whole ton of new ideas out there. I'm working on a few myself, but but I can still take things and adjust them and tweak them my way so that uh, you know that I can run my business in the direction I want it to go and, and do my best to be successful in doing that. How do you decide what to carry in the store? Do you go with trends like the Euro Nymphine is kind of the cool thing? Worming worms and mops in here. (laughs) The shop is a little different. I'm trying to. And I'm going to get into the shop layout after some of these questions. Yeah. I'm trying to push my website just to be specific to our products. And that'll probably change to be our proprietary lineup here in the next, next year or two. Since we're since I've got a physical shop, we're getting some of our stuff into other shops as well as a you know as a wholesale. We've got a handful of shops across the country that have our products in. But for me, like the nymph rods is probably a good example of that. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd have a dry fly on the end of my rod every single day of the week. Um, but in Western Pennsylvania, where I live, that's not always an option. So what's that? How often do you get out to fish? Never. <laughs> So I'm I'm in the shop six days a week, and I have four kids ages four, six, eight, and ten right now, and then have the other business on the side as well. So you know people people walk into the shop and they're like, oh, you must fish all the time. I'm like, no, I'm here sixty hours a week right now, uh, running classes and doing events and all kinds of stuff like that. So, but my time will come. I actually just hired a guy part time in the shop two days a week to help fill online orders since our online has been through the roof in the last year. And then I've got another guy I'm hiring uh, to be a guide. I know he won't hold a hold a flame to you, but uh, he's not too bad. Okay. And then uh, he'll shop a little bit here. But in terms of products, for me, it's 
I, I try to see where the market is, where it's trending, and maybe where I want to make a little bit of an influence in. So, like out here, there's a lot of small stream anglers in the tri-state area, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, New York. You know, we're, we're fighting through a brush trying to chase after four-inch brook trout. So that's one of the things I like to do. So I've kind of, you know, in all my product lines, I've kind of built a little, you know, seven, seven and a half foot three weights. And one of my plans next year, then a year after, is to build a whole small stream lineup in a year uh, to adhere to that. Because, you know, like I said, I don't see a whole lot of products geared towards that. You know, we don't have little zero and one weights through a lot of companies out there. And that's something that's on my short-term radar to bring out. You have to bring out kind of the steady eddies of the of the fly fishing rod. I mean, nine foot five weights sell twice as much as every other rod size combined. So you've got to bring a couple out in a few different price areas to, to adhere to the, the general market. Um, but I think as I'm growing, I'm starting to hit a few niches here and there of uh, the saltwater stuff, even though we don't have saltwater in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, small stream stuff. Um, I've got plans that I kind of announced a little bit yesterday. I used to, a couple years ago, started my own kind of version of Project Healing Waters, where I teamed up with a local nonprofit that helped out some local veterans, and I did a, a fly fishing course for them. Um, we got some funding from a nonprofit. Everybody left with a rod and a reel and a pack and a box of flies and a fly tying kit. And then the next year, that nonprofit changed things and didn't fund it anymore. So I've got a project I'm working on now to kind of self-fund that for next year. So a lineup of products that when you purchase them, a small portion will go to sponsor a veteran to get back into that program. So, you know, I, I appreciate everybody who served our country um, in such a way and, and seeing the way that that little program has impacted people. Um, but I want to kind of give back in a way and, and try to create a, a program that will you know, give some relief from some of those veterans, get them outdoors, uh, you know, see some therapy through, you know, sitting in the middle of a trout stream or, you know, casting after some bass or some steelhead or salmon. So that's a way that I've uh, been working on an idea for about six months now that I might bring out uh, spring or summer of next year. But yeah, if for me, it's, it's a little bit of what everybody wants and then it's a little bit of what I want to, you know, expanding on fly patterns in the shop and what we carry or... Um, you know, uh, tools and vices and things like that that we started to expand on here. What are uh, some of the hot small stream flies? Purple. Everything purple in the last year or so. Our purple hazes are crazy all across the country. I've got guys, you know, out west catching, you know, little cutthroats and brookies and rainbows on small streams on, you know, purple haze parachutes and, you know, uh, um, purple uh, psycho princes. So purple seems to be the color of, uh, of, the, of the year. But other small stream stuff, one of my favorites is just a good old-fashioned elk hair caddis in like a bleached elk hair, something that I can see, something that floats all day. Uh, that's one of my favorites, and I can catch fish just about anywhere with it. So we brought that out because of, of my, in, you know, my interest in that. I brought out like a high-vis elk hair caddis that has a little bit of an orange cider on the back to have a little bit more of a visual aspect to it. So... Um, for small streams, that, I try not to nymph on small streams. It's kind of like uh, sacrilegious for me, but it happens every once in a while. And if it's going to be really sacrilegious, then I throw a green weenie. I catch more fish on a green weenie every year than probably any other pattern. Bluegill, bass, trout, steelhead, probably catch a salmon on it just to try this year. And back to the charity bit, your daughter does a little bit of work too. 
Yeah, yeah. So the story goes, my daughter's name is Lilia. She just turned 10 years old a couple weeks ago. And about four years ago, she uh, donated a bunch of her hair to Locks of Love. So she grew her hair out just to donate it. And then she decided she wanted to do a little bit more. We did a book drive and uh, got together, I think, around 100 books, and we donated them to the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. So wow. soon after that, she started making those rainbow loom bracelets out of rubber bands. And we've got a little plaza by our house that has a hairdresser and a karate place and a Zumba place and a little other, I forget what the other business is. And she'd set up a little table and sell them for like a buck a piece. So, so me and my entrepreneurial mind, I got to thinking, hey, let's turn this into a little business and do some charity work with it. So, so we started making bracelets out of uh, recycled fly lines. And I started the semi-division of our company with some fun alliteration called Lilia's Lines of Love. So we take these fly lines, we create them into bracelets. We've added keychains in the last year as well. I sell them for 10 bucks, and we donate 25% and buy books for kids out of the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. So when they get discharged from the hospital, they actually have books to take home and keep for themselves. Last year, she was actually on a Pittsburgh news station. They uh, had a news segment on her on kind of, you know, the good things going on in the Pittsburgh area. And then there was another nonprofit called Crips for Kids that nominated her for a Young Woman of Pittsburgh award that she got last year. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so you know, I've done a lot of work behind the scenes, as all good parents do, and push her in the limelight. Um, but last year, we donated over 200 books to the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh through that program. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. And her being 10 years old, have you had to watch the Babysitter's Club this summer? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. Wow. How'd you, do you have Netflix? He, he is a book reader. It is incredible. won't pick up anything other than like the Babysitter's Club, yeah. which is a graphic novel. When when the library was closed from COVID, it was like the worst part of her of, of COVID for her. So she'll go to the library, pick out 15 books and have them read in three days. Oh, that's incredible. She's she's crazy like that. But, uh, but, but that's a good thing. We like that. Yeah. No, you can't get my kid to open a book. <laughs> One day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And how do you promote the company other than, you know, I said Facebook, you were on the news. How do you, as a small business in a very small industry, how do you get the word out to people that you're there? Social media is huge. I always say we'd be in trouble with Facebook shutdown tomorrow. Um, and I think a lot of businesses are that way. So we utilize that in probably three or four different areas. Um, I try to be involved, like you said, in a lot of Facebook groups. Sometimes I may go a little bit too on the on the side of just advertising the company, but I still like to help people out. You know, you'll have people like you said, hey, I'm looking for a small stream rod. And I would say, you know, okay, what are you looking to do? Are you looking to, you know, is it a tight stream? Do you want to nymph it because it's open? Are you throwing dry flies? Are there brook trout? Are there big browns in there every once in a while? So, you know, depending on what they would give me, I'd say, okay, this is what you want. You want Maybe you really want to throw a floor weight in there because you need a heavier rod to throw some of the, you know, under some of the cover, a stiffer rod for that. Or maybe you, you've got wide open area, you're not catching anything over four inches, you want a one weight. Um, we don't offer that, here's where I would go. So I try to keep involved as best as I can, but like I said before, I also utilize some of my brand ambassadors to help do that for me too. So I'm all about giving advice. I'd rather sit, have you use, you know, get the right advice and go somewhere else and buy something off of me just because I recommended it. 
Sorry about that. Somebody's trying to watch the Babysitter's Club and was on the <laughs> uh, the wrong Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. Give me a chance to grab a bottle of water. Nice. Okay. So you're doing social media. You're easy to reach. What about shows? How do you get out there and promote in person when there's you're not doing it electronically? So I try to hit a handful of areas. Like I said before, I've got you know a fairly large family with four little kids. Uh, so my wife kind of keeps the reins tight on how many shows I do. But now that I'm kind of full-time into it, I'll probably do a handful. And I've got a few other people that are probably going to do some shows for me in the future as well. So I like, I mean, there's a there's a small show in the Pittsburgh area that the local Trout Unlimited puts on that I love. because Kevin Fever? Yeah, I'm like, the big fi- I'm like a big fish in a small pond there. Where I go to some of these other shows and the Orvises and the TFOs and the Sages and everybody else is there and I'm like a small fish in a big pond. So I like some of those small shows, especially the local ones that give me a little bit of influence into into some markets that those big companies might not be willing to go to. So I've done one over in Ohio, looking I've looked at a few that have tried to get off the ground excuse me, off the ground in West Virginia. Uh, the one in Pittsburgh, I do the Lancaster show where you are every year. I did the uh, Virginia Wine and Fly Fishing Festival for the first time last year, and that was a pretty good show, doing that one again. And as things expand, I'll probably hit a lot more of the circuit that the the fly, the fly fishing show is on. I'll probably do Jersey. I looked at, uh, I've got an ambassador that might do the one out in California next year. So I love getting in person because I, I think that's where I separate myself. Um, you know, like you said, you know, you don't get too many people that are the heads of the company that are out there shaking your hand and giving you advice and helping you out with things. So yeah, we market online. I've recently started to do a little bit more work on YouTube. So I've got a couple sponsor channels that I'm doing independent of like YouTube corporate. So where they're uh, utilizing my products or in use in their videos, maybe they're tying flies on our hooks and using our beads. And then I've got some sponsorship agreements behind the scenes with some of them. Um, so I'm excited about some of those programs moving on because for me, I'd rather dump money into an individual that's trying to do that than dump it into Facebook and Google ads, which I still do. But I'd rather, you know, help somebody else out who's trying to make make it in, you know, in this industry somehow. You know, you get a little bit of ad dollars from YouTube for your videos. Uh, maybe I can help out and supplement that by you, you know, pitching risen fly fishing on top of it. So I do that. Like I said, I've got social media accounts, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, try TikTok, and that's a train wreck if you ask me. And then I, I still try to keep active on a couple forum sites here and there. That's been tough just because I've been so busy with so many other things. Uh, we utilize Google for their their regular text ads and their picture ads so that, you know, if you came to our website, next time that you popped on another, you know, whether it's on Facebook or somewhere else, you're probably going to see an ad from us. And that's all stuff I've kind of figured out on the way of how to do it and eventually hire a marketing manager to do all that stuff for me. But I like utilizing, like I said, some of our our sponsors and brand ambassadors to get in-person influence for people. So, like, I've got a good guy, Jason Maddock, out of Nevada that we just met online. He was in a competition and wanted some sponsors, so we did that. And, you know, at the end of the day, that competition really didn't work out, but he and I connected really well, so... You know, he just goes on the stream and talks about her products and sells the crap out of it. Like, it's crazy, you know, the, the people that come to me because of the influence that he has just in, hey, what are you doing? Why don't you try this out? Let me tell you about Risen Fly. Um, so we've got a handful of guys that are doing stuff like that. 
and then I'm working on actual sales repositions here in the near future. We, we had two set up for this year, but with COVID, it kind of ruined all that. Um, to have individual influences to getting into flash shops all across the country, too. Very cool. Let's get into your shop now. What are the child labor laws in Pennsylvania? <laughs> the child labor laws in Pennsylvania. Those four kids to work all the time. Oh, yeah. So Small hands. They can clean in crevices and dust so they places. Do of, they do a lot of things in my house. So they'll put stickers on things and... Uh, they'll package items that we have in bulk, but uh, off off the record, of course. Uh, I, I I don't I, do I pay them? I don't know. They they get fed. <laughs> fed and watered. Yeah, with with the, how the bracelets work, Lilia does the bracelets. My next son down, Nolan, he does our keychains that we added recently. We're looking at probably adding a few other products there. Looked at doing lanyards. Somebody talked about tippets. Uh, spools the other day we might bring something like that out and a few other products that we've we've thought about down the road and then for my third son my third son's real quiet he uh he had some speech issues early on so he's pretty shy so i got one of those like quarter turn candy dispensers for the shop so that's his business so i'm trying to you know get the entrepreneurial mindset out of my kids so so he gets excited when somebody spends you know 25 cents on a gumball in the shop so I he was gets- at a shop in Nashville that had little plastic containers with just random flies in it. You would just yep. put your quarter in and get random flies. Yeah, I don't want to share my secret, but I'll share one with you. And, and I, I'm running out of space in my shop, but one of my grand plan ideas is to get a claw machine and put like, you know, a, a packet of flies or a fly box or a gift card inside the claw machine inside the shop. Nice. I think that's a genius idea. Yeah. What does your shop look like when someone opens that door and they walk in? How's it organized? So, first of all, our shop is an old Sears catalog house. So, it's been transitioned from about 10 different businesses over the last 10 years. So, it's just this white house that uh, we've knocked down a couple walls and put new flooring. And, you know, my dad's an electrician. He put a bunch of lighting inside and outside on the house and... My father-in-law's a woodworker, so he built the fly cases for us. And you know, so I've had a lot of friends and family help out with the business and getting the shop open and all the labor and uh, behind it all. Um, but yeah, you walk in, and it's a. I would say our sales floor is I don't know seven eight hundred square feet. It's nothing huge. We're busting at the seams already, just a couple a uh, couple months in. Uh, but you walk in, and we probably have one. Of, even though I'm a new shop, I probably have the biggest display of flies. Probably one of the top five in the state. You know, people walk in and they're like, I went to XYZ shop and they had like 200 flies in stock. I was like. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop. 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com. I've ordered 50,000 flies this year alone, let alone what we already have. Yeah. So Don't we've got a lot those. Yeah, we've got a large selection of flies. I've got a lot more coming in, bringing out saltwater flies that I just put a big order in for. I just ordered 30,000 flies a couple weeks ago to add into the shop. So we tell we sell a ton of flies in the shop because A, there's not we're the first shop in our county ever. And B, we start our flies at 90 cents. So your traditional 
Well, dries nymphs are starting at ninety cents. Um, streamers are at a buck seventy-five. So people come in here and load up whenever they head out west for a trip. You know, they'll buy a hundred flies off of us instead of spending three bucks a fly out west. Yeah, we've got a pretty good selection of flies. You walk in, you see our fly cases. We've got drawers that pull out so that we can hold a lot more flies in the little amount of space that we have. We've got those metal uh, grid wall racks all around the walls um, that hold, you know, we've got our packs and bags and all of our fly boxes in one corner, all of our hooks and beads. In another corner, we've got a whole section of fly tying material that's um, not on our website because it's a lot of like nature spirits and some of our private label stuff that we have. We're just trying to keep some of the pricing down. We've got a wall with all of the rods hanging up, all the fly lines below it, and then some of our tools and accessories are on some of our other uh, walls. And then we have a big glass display case with all of our reels inside of it, and then some of the hand-painted boxes from Ryan King there, and that doubles as like our checkout station as well. You know, I, I look at the shop and a couple other locations that we were I was looking at prior to signing on this one, um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be stretched for my price for more space, and now I'm looking at it like, Okay, I'm going to need some more space very quickly with how quickly the, uh, the shop is going on right now. Is the building itself one of those prefab Sears houses? Yeah, literally. Hey, here's your Lego kit. Put it together. Yeah, there's White Castle houses in Bexley, Ohio, where my wife is from. Yep. Yeah, so then the thing that sold me on this is it's in a good location. It's in a town that I grew up in. You know, there's... Uh, there's a couple restaurants right around. There's, you know, Walmart, uh, local grocery stores, Home Depot. So we get a lot of traffic through here. But also, it's it's basically a house. So I have the whole upstairs that I utilize for my inventory, which was a huge need for me outside of just needing a basic retail storefront in a shopping plaza. You know, most people, they've got a little bit of a back room. For me, I've got hundreds, if not thousands, of fly rods and reels in stock for the whole business. Yeah, either carry that in a, you know, a separate facility um, or I have a place like this where I utilize, you know, the whole upstairs, which is just one massive room for all of my excess inventory. Storage space is always good when it comes to fishing. Yes. That was one of the, the main reasons we had to buy a house. For all my <laughs> you do not want to get my wife going on a rant about yep. stuff. She's like, yep. I got one pair of skis, one pair of boots, one pair of poles and a helmet. And that can all fit in one bag. Yep. Yeah. Ever since I opened the shop, my wife's like, well, you can take this out of the house and put it in your attic now. <laughs> yeah, like a nice dude that's, sofa. That's like a, uh, a suitcase or something that doesn't fit somewhere. She's like, well, you can put it there. <laughs> well, so yeah, I have a lot of space, but not a ton of floor space. So the next, next location will be expanded by at least a couple hundred square feet. Do you have parking spaces? Parking lot? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a parking lot that'll probably fit a good 15 cars here. Okay, so we got a small backyard. I plan on doing some more events once we're allowed to. Casting uh, out back if you want to sample a rod. Yeah, exactly. We've got a little bit of space to do that. I want to put some picnic tables up and, you know, do events with, like, some of the local microbreweries and, you know, bring a keg in and, you know, do some beer beer and, and fly tying nights. And you have a local beer? Um, we've got a nano brewery in town that is was the first brewery since Prohibition in Beaver County. They just celebrated their 10-year anniversary, um, and they put out some really unique stuff. So they have an iPorter A that they make that they've started when, when they started way back when in an old pizza shop. 
They have a chamomile wheat beer. Interesting. Um, yeah, they have some really unique stuff. One of my favorites is every year, the day before Thanksgiving, they make a pecan pie beer that is absolutely oh. to die for. It is so good, and they've done some bourbon barrel casks with it over the years, and they sell it one day. They'll, this little brewery that, you know, they have it in there and one or two little restaurants, they sell over 100 gallons of this beer in like four hours. Because if they do it one day a year, they market it so well. And it's really good. Very cool. Yeah. And do you host events? Like, you're going to have, like, uh, tie-alongs, movie nights. Yep. General, like, hang out on a Saturday. People come yep. in and give presentations. Yeah. So, actually, tomorrow, uh, I don't know if you'll get this out in time. But, anyway, so Thursday, what is that, 27th, 28th, I'm doing a steelhead presentation in the shop. So, we're about two hours from the lake, maybe an hour and a half from the closest uh, tributary that you can really fish. Um, and Ohio is right across the border, like 10 minutes from Ohio. So we have a lot of steelhead fishing in a relatively close proximity to us. So um, so I've been steelhead fishing for every bit of 15 years now. I've uh, been hosting trips up to New York for salmon for about 10 years. I'll be putting on that presentation tomorrow. Uh, we also, the first Tuesday of every month, we have a tying night in the shop. So just kind of a social hangout time. Bring your vice tools, materials, hang out, tie flies, bring your own beer and snacks. And so we've been doing that the first Tuesday of every month. I also did a fly fishing 101 course. And so just a four-week course of intro to fly fishing. Working on bringing that one back here pretty soon. And then we'll do like a four or five-week fly tying class uh, in the wintertime once everything freezes over and we can't fish much anymore anyways. So yeah, and then I also had a guy uh, locally that did a presentation on pike and muskie fishing on the fly uh, last month. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm really trying to to provide a lot of those classes and events for people because we've got a lot of new people and people that are interested and people that have tried it but, you know, just don't know a whole lot in this area. So classes are kind of huge for that. I've got a lot of people that I just sit in the shop for half an hour and tell them everything they need to know and then some. Classes are going to be probably a big part of our, our, uh, our shop here and, you know, currently and in the future as well. You mentioned hosting trips. Is that your one escape to actually be able to go on a hey, trip? Yeah, it goes on the calendar and my wife can't say anything about it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've hosted a trip to New York in the Salmon River for a bunch of years now. We've done two trips the last couple of years. We're just doing one because of all the travel restrictions right now for this year. We're working on a trip to the Adirondacks in the spring. I've got a lodge in Montana we're doing once or twice a year. And then I've got a couple lodges in, in Alaska that I'm hoping, once my wife gives me the okay on that, that I'll do a hosting trip to Alaska probably in 2022. I want to go on that. Yes, yes. It is an absolute blast. So I went in 2016 invited with a big group of people but went with the intention of connecting with the lodge owners visited two lodges and now connected with them in some trip packages for people who want to go and then like i said i'm trying to do a trip where i'm going on the trip and kind of hosting it and you know playing playing the uh uh you know the the, the good business uh, owner there and, and giving people a good time too nice any um, other risen fly questions i forgot to ask before we move on to some random questionnaires uh rob snow white uh random questions i can only imagine what this is going to be well i recently found out that hunts ketchup is not a thing up there not that it should be it's not as good but oh no i i 
if you're from Pittsburgh and you have anything besides Heinz, you, you might as well, you know, uh, jump off the Clemente Bridge. You, you'll survive, but you might as well just jump off it because uh, it's Heinz or nothing up here. Um, literally, like, my wife's uncle worked for Heinz and had a little, like, camp at a place on the Slippery Rock Creek where we used to fish together. So Heinz is a staple here. Hunts, no. Like, we went to, uh, we just went to the Outer Banks with the family last week and went to a restaurant. Because they had Heinz, my mother-in-law asked for a bag full so that we could have it for the whole week so we wouldn't have to eat Hunts or Giant or Walmart brand. It's, 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 yeah. When I traveled in Africa in 98, I was complaining how the ketchup was awful and that if I ever did an international trip again, I was actually going to bring a bottle of Heinz ketchup. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. If you had a superpower to make you a better angler, what any superpower would you choose? I think that the easiest way, I always thought that like like uh, infrared uh goggles would be awesome so that you can like heat sense all the fish and where they are so if i had that without the goggles as a superhero that would be awesome because then you're not fishing in a hole where there's no fish yeah at least they are. Life. <laughs> so yeah that's my answer i would have like you know like heat seeking vision like so predator that... yeah, yeah. I, i'm gonna have to send it to you I, let's see if i can do it right now i have a gif mm -hmm. of it's like the predator but it's a guy urinating, <laughs> and then he he burps and like farts at the same time. I will find it for you tonight. It is my wife's <laughs> like you are so gross. It, it is fascinating. You can see him breathing, peeing. I mean, it's coming out of all three holes. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, mm -hmm. I, I'm not gonna scroll through and look for that. I'll send it to you later. Yeah. What's the best sandwich in your area? Beaver Falls area, etc. You got to go with Permanis. So Permanis is a Pittsburgh staple. They've expanded all along. Yeah, they've got one in Florida. They've got a couple of places now. There's Hagerstown. So the typical Permanis sandwich is on um, a, a, a local bread company's bread uh, that's like thick Italian cut bread. You've got pastrami as their number one. You've got a load of pastrami on there. You have coleslaw, which most people would think would be horrible on a sandwich, but it's fantastic. And then you get French fries, put them on top. And that so, was so the truckers didn't have to dig in a bag of fries. They could just eat it right on the sandwich. But then the way to do it right is you get cheese and then you get a fried egg on top. And that's how you do it. A little bit of lettuce or tomato if you want it, but that's the sandwich of Pittsburgh. So, you know, anybody comes from out of town, any celebrities, they go get a Permani Brothers sandwich. And it's every, every good is advertised. Are you on your phone or your computer? I'm on my phone. All right, let's see if this goes through. I'm going to send you the GIF. Oh, man, <laughs> this makes me laugh every time. Let's see. I mean, you don't realize how far flatulence moves past you. And this guy is wearing pants. <laughs> is that it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I see it. Oh, man. <laughs> Just keeps going. Yeah. Just keeps going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what? He's probably like 70 years old, and if he wasn't peeing after that fart, he probably would have anyways. I heard Louis Anderson once do a stand-up, and he said, you know you're old when you fart when you're peeing. <laughs> or you have, you, have to, you have to clear the plug by releasing a fart before, you, right. before the news goes off. <laughs> what is 
a book every angler should read? One of my favorite fly fishing books is, I'll say two. One is The Fly fishing Gentleman. It's an old book full of short stories. I'm not much of a reader, but I couldn't put this book down. So it's, you know, two, three pages of story and just a bunch of, you know, different authors out there writing a lot of short stories. So that was a great book. I have it in the shop. People leave through it here and there. The other one, which is one of my favorites, just to show what one of the greatest influencers in fly fishing was, was Lee Wolf, the Compliot. Um, so it's just a, a history and I don't know if it's a biography or autobiography because it's been a few years since I read it, just on how he trekked into Labrador to, to find these massive brook trout and inventing flies and, you know, meeting his wife and her influence on the sport. Those books were just, you know, like I said, you know, I'm probably more like your kids rather than my kids where I don't read a whole lot unless it's on my, my phone or the computer. But those two books, I just couldn't put them down. Um, so Lee Wolf, The Compliot, and The Fly Fishing as Gentleman. So those are two I think everybody should put on their reading list. All right, everyone mark that down. <laughs> Do you have any irrational phobias? Like there's an animal that you're scared of and your wife is just like, you got to be kidding me. Superstitions? No. I don't think so. Um, if it's anything, it's I over-prepare for every single fishing trip that I go on. Because I go with so many people that don't know what they're doing that I prepare for like three people. I remember, I won't, won't mention any names on this, but I planned my trip to the Salmon River with a bunch of friends before I did it through the business. And I'll send like 10 emails with all the information that you need, and it's probably information overload and probably because of that people ignore me. But one of the guys going, and it's a six-hour ride for us. We're three hours in. He calls me up. He goes, hey, do you have an extra pair of waders for my buddy? And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, I do. Do you not have waders? We're going fishing. And I reply back, yes. Yes, I do have an extra pair of waders for him. Um, so, yeah, I always, I always joke when I go fishing, I prepare for like three or four people with rods and reels and boxes of flies and packs. You and, just need to get a trailer to have a mobile fly shop. Uh, that is, I've actually thought that was like one of my food truck fly shop to get a food truck yeah. and a mobile fly shop for a food truck. So my entrepreneurial brain always works, but, uh, but yeah, that's an idea and it still might come into the works. We'll see. If you could go back in time with a DeLorean to fish a place before pre industrial revolution and environment was destroyed, where would you want to go? Oh, I mean, my top destination in 2020 is Kamchatka for that reason, is that nobody lives there. They've got a couple little tent sites. You fly in on a Cold War helicopter. You know, sometimes you literally take a tank to get in there, and you catch giant rainbow trout on mice flies. So that's the top destination for me now. Now, going back in time, um, I have not done any fishing out west, so I would love to see some of the, the big waters through the Yellowstone, the Madison, places in Colorado. I'd love to see those places without anybody else there, without the, you know, the, the truckloads of people sightseeing everywhere and just go there by myself and, you know, fish and catch fish on flies, you know, flies that the fish have never seen before in their life. Before paddle boards. Yeah, before paddle ports. Those people are everywhere. <laughs> do you have a scar that has a good story behind it? <laughs> yes, I do. Freshman year of college. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Malone College in Canton, Ohio, a little tiny school that had like a thousand people on campus. 
It's like me. My school is a block wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played our games at the Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, but we filled up like a 20th of the entire stadium with the people that showed up. <laughs> so so the story goes, uh, you know, freshman orientation, they teach you about the school, you do some projects in the community, and then they have all kinds of activities. So they had a bunch of Ultimate Frisbee games going on. And I used to play a lot of Ultimate Frisbee in high school, so I was in. So we get this massive downpour right before it starts. One of those, like, inch of rain in 15 minutes. So after it clears, we start playing. And one of my eventual good friends couldn't throw a Frisbee very well and threw it, like, literally 90 degrees in the wrong direction. So me, being the tryhard that I am, trek after it as hard as I can, dive to catch it. I unfortunately missed it. It hit off my hands. And then I hydroplaned and my head off the soccer goal on the side of the oh. field. Split my head open. Oh. I was wearing a hat. I pulled my hat off. It's covered in blood. It's like Peter Check. Yep. So there were three different games going on, and the rumor has it that it sounded like a gong went off, and everybody stopped in their tracks whenever I hit my head off the soccer goal. And the worst part was I could see it coming, like a hydroplane, like You're 50 going into it. before I hit it, and I just couldn't stop. Wow. So I pulled my head open. A bunch of nursing students had to drive a car on the field. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, give me some bandages, take me to the hospital, and I got six stitches. And so, literally, this was, like, the first time we met anybody on campus. So, for the next couple weeks, everybody came up to me. They're like, oh, you're, you're the guy that got stitches from playing Ultimate Frisbee. So, my nickname through all of school was Stitch. It's not bad. I would say, like, 80% of the people that knew me didn't know my real name. They just called me Stitch. I was known as Norm. For four yeah. years of college, nobody knew my name. <laughs> I would just sign my papers Norm and turn it in. Yeah. Not even a last name. Yeah, there was a lot of Ryans on campus, so I got one of the good ones. There was another one who was a good friend of mine, and he had, like, we had, like, one shower for the whole uh, floor. We had one of the shower caddies that had bubbles on it, so somebody called him Bubbles, and it stuck. We so We had a friend named Doppler. He, one yeah. day, he's like, I want to be a weatherman, yeah. and it just stuck. Everyone called him Doppler. <laughs> Yeah, no idea where Jonathan is these days. That's a big regret of of kids nowadays. They don't have nicknames like they used to. Well, my my buddy Rick, his kid's name is Cole. I just call him Slaw. I'm like, what's up, Slaw? <laughs> He's like, hey, Slaw, Snow White. <laughs> He's a funny kid. Right, if you had to wake up in the same place every day for a long time, your own personal Groundhog Day, where would you choose it to be based on the fishing? First of all, worst movie ever. Really? Like, because you're a Pennsylvanian, I just hate the movie. I think it's there's no plot. It's horribly boring. Yeah, if anybody asks like my me, wife, yeah, Groundhog Day. Phil, the place. Phil <laughs> Let's see, my Groundhog Day. If I had it all to myself, there is a Class A brown trout stream that's literally the closest place that I can catch wild trout at. But out of all the places I catch them at, this is my favorite. It just has plunge pools and waterfalls, and not a whole lot of people know about it. It's gotten a little bit more with the internet age because it's a class A, but it's just a absolute blast of fish, and it's in the middle of this this local park that you know people hike and rock climb and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but there's fish in there that you know average fish is six to ten inches, but I've seen some twenties in there, and it's just a stream that's. 10 to 15 feet wide. Um, and it's just a fun stream to fish. So 
I let it go. I fish it once or twice a year, but if I had it to myself, that would be it. Do that same thing every day. All right. The last question of the evening before we let you get home mm-hmm. is I need a story that you had to have been there to have believed what happened. It doesn't have to be fishing related, but that makes it more entertaining for the listeners. Oh, I'll tell a fishing related one in honor of my, my buddy who helped me out with the business and uh, moved to South Carolina, but he came to visit a couple weeks ago. So my buddy, Greg, who uh, was always the source of laughter because he has two left feet and fell in every time we went fishing. So I'll, I'll tell two stories about Greg. One is we were, both of them were steelhead fishing, so kind of the same story. And we're sitting there, and I'm on the phone with my brother-in-law, who was like a mile away because he hit a different spot. And we're crossing this, like, boat ramp area where it gets super silty. And Greg, being Greg and not being able to walk very well, tries to walk a little too fast, and his feet are getting stuck. And he does this, like, matrix move where his legs stop moving, and he falls backwards and just, like, literally baptizes himself in the Elk Creek up in here. His feet stuck in the mud and he just because fell over? The mud and he couldn't get out. So I'm on the phone with my brother-in-law and he goes, did Greg fall in again? Because he falls in so much, he knew what happened. And I'm sure-footed enough that I'm on the cell phone talking to my brother-in-law about what's going on and just laughing hysterically the whole time about him falling in. So he had to go down to his knees. We got out, got to the parking lot by the car. He dumped like six gallons of water out of his out of his waders, he had his phone in a case, and that was wet. So we still laughed a lot, and uh, we still do to this day about that. But my next Greg story, Greg didn't fly fish for the first couple times that I took him to Erie. He tried to stay in his old ways, of throwing spinning tackle and being extremely unsuccessful and not catching anything. So like the third or fourth time we go up trying to catch steelhead, it was a good day, everybody's catching fish, there was like a back eddy cut with a little like gravel bar in between. And I was fishing facing one side. He was fishing facing the other. You know, he wasn't catching anything. And then, you know, I'm catching a couple of fish. And all of a sudden I hear this, you know, commotion and splashing. And I turn around and Greg's on his knees with a fish in his hand. I was like, all right, Greg, you've got one. He's like, yeah, I did. So he was all excited. We put it on a rope. I have a smoker at the house. He's like, can you smoke it for me? I was like, sure, I can smoke it for you, Greg. So, you know, I took it home. I filleted. I smoked it for him. He goes to church with me. I took him, took it to him at church. And about three or four weeks later, he comes up to me at church. He goes, Ryan, he goes, remember that fish that, uh, that I had you smoke? I was like, yeah. I was like, that was awesome. He goes, I have a confession to make. I was like, uh-oh, what's going on, Greg? He said, so I was fishing after these fish, and they're like 10 feet in front of me. So I took a step forward. He didn't move. Took a step forward. A couple others moved, and there was this one just sitting there. He's like, so I just reached in and grabbed it. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, did you notice anything weird about that fish? I said, come to think of it, Greg. It was missing an eye. He goes, yeah. Literally, I walked up to it. It didn't see me, and I grabbed it. No way. <laughs> so his first ever steelhead, he bare, he bare hand grabbed it, and we took it home and ate it. My goodness. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Let's finish with a commercial by you for your target species kits, which is what I send my clients to you for. Go. So that was a great idea that I kind of expanded on from one of my brand ambassadors last year. So 
there's a lot of people that are getting into the sport and need just about everything. So we came together, instead of just doing a bland old kit, we do these target species kits. So it gives you everything that you need to go out and target whatever kind of fish that you're looking for. So right now we have a trout kit, a small stream trout kit, a bass kit, a steelhead kit, a salmon kit, and we're going to bring out a saltwater kit once our goliath rods come out. And what that has is a rod, a reel, fly line, backing, a leader, and a box of four dozen flies. So we throw all that together. We give a discount compared to buying it all separate. We put the line and backing, set everything up in the shop before we ship it out. Um, and people have been loving them. I bet I've sold more of those in shop personally. I bet we sell two or three of those a week just here in the shop, let alone the people we send them out to. Um, so those start with a rod and reel, I think our entry-level package. So we have like a beginner and intermediate and expert package, not in terms of how good of a fisherman you are, but kind of the quality of the products and what they are. So I think our baseline package for all of that starts at 280 bucks, which is an absolute steal. So that comes with our Genesis rod, our armor reel, the Alpha 2 line, and like I said, four dozen flies, a box, backing leader. We usually throw a sticker or something in there as well. Um, so those have been going like hotcakes uh, since we brought that out because uh, typically, depending on which model you pick, you're saving like 40 or 50 bucks compared to buying them separate. Awesome. So those have been great, and it's been a great addition to the to the website and having those available. Makes my life easier. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right, so what do I need? Click that. Get the 9-foot 5-weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, my man. Where can we find you online or in person? Yes. So online, we are at www.risenfly.com. That's R-I-S-E-N-F-L-Y. So that's our main website. You can find us on all the social media platforms. We have our main Facebook page for the whole company. We have a regionalized Facebook page just for the shop. Um, So within region of our shop at 748 Shenango Road, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. We're probably about a 45-minute drive north of the city of Pittsburgh. Also, at the bottom of our main website, uh, there's a link that basically says where you can find Risen Fly Gear. Um, And we've got a map there with a handful of pins of some other shops all across the country that we have stuff in. Uh, Working on a few more, actually our newest fly shop, I'll give credit out to uh, Bo, who runs Catch Cam Nets, just opened a full-time shop in West Virginia. And we've got some of our gear in there. And then we're actually having some of his nets in our shop here pretty soon, too. We like supporting other businesses like us. A handful in Pennsylvania. We've got one in Vermont. Um, working on a couple out west right now. Like I said, we've got all our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I think that's about it. Very cool. And then you can go and take a guided trip through Rob Snow White, and he has to be in a 23PS ride. Yes. And, uh, well, actually, a- um, so you remember how I got that tip replaced? Yeah? Yeah, I kind of broke that in the carport. <laughs> Rob. I know. Yeah, shoot me a message. I'll take care of you as always. All right. Yay. All right, well, enough of me. Get back to your family. That's basically enough to have a, a sporting team of some sort. Yeah, we're getting close. Yeah. All right, dude, thanks so much, and hopefully I see you before show season or something. Sounds great. I appreciate it, Rob. All right, man, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.
podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.